Oh, did you see that? It flickered. It did. Maybe it did. That's kind of spooky. <laughs> Flicker. <laughs> it's not even October. <laughs> hey, we are officially in spooky season, okay? True. September is where it starts for me. Yep. It, it, <laughs> we're past Labor Day. We're good. That's <laughs> we it. Set up the pumpkins and the witches. And <laughs> oh, my favorite time of the year. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to Spilling Ink. We are the talk show that takes you behind the book to meet the authors and professionals in the publishing industry. And we are back after our summer hiatus. And man, that summer went by quick. I feel like I blinked. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it was just, <laughs> hello, we're, we're back in school. We're back to the grind. <laughs> what happened? Oh, yes. Vacation season's done. <laughs> But we're still going up to Maine, so I'm not yeah. in Maine now, in case you notice the different background. <laughs> it's like, where's Jane today? <laughs> we should make that a, a weekly poll. Where will Jane be this week? <laughs> it could be one of many places, too. <laughs> well, we have Damien Tiller with us again tonight, so hello, Damien. Hi, hi, Jane. Hi, uh, Katie. And thanks for having me back. It's uh, good to be back. Yes, yes. welcome back. Uh, you know, it, it, the summer went by quickly for us. And uh, you actually closed our last season out. You were our final guest of the season before we went on hiatus. So it's kind of fitting that you're our opening guest for the new season. But you had a pretty productive summer, didn't you? I did, yes. I had the a few things, actually. I had a, a Comic-Con event that I, that I went to and a book planning um, the release of the fourth book that completes the, the set of the Oakville Chronicles, uh, Lucian's Voyage. Um, and also the audiobooks have been coming along as well. So, yeah, it's been a, a quite a busy few months in the last couple of months. Wow. So did it go by as fast for you as it did for us? <laughs> it did, yeah. I still, in my head, I'm still in 2020, about April. I haven't really moved on from then. <laughs> yeah, I think we, <laughs> we, we are all kind of feeling that a little bit. <laughs> Time doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well, let's talk about your new book. Sure. So, yeah, Lucian's Forage is the fourth book in the Oakville Chronicles, and it's... Um, brings together all of the threads from the previous book. So it's the last one in that particular set. So if there's any more Oakville Chronicles that come, they will be completely standalone stories. So this is the one that ties up all of the loose threads from Dragon's Blight, from A Winter's Child, um, and from A Taylor's Son. So all of those books could be read independently on their own. Um, but there is a, a thread that runs through them all, and Lucian's Voyage kind of pulls that thread and explains a lot of what's happened. And it's probably the, the darkest of the books. I've always said that it's dark epic fantasy that I write and Dragon's Blight is quite light-hearted and your typical fantasy really and they get darker as the series goes on and Lucian's Voyage is definitely the darkest one so far. So any any teasers without spoiling obviously that you can tell uh, our listeners or, or your potential new readers what they might expect? So it's there's been a hand behind a lot of the offense in the other books so there's always been this dark hand that's got maneuvering things although things didn't appear to be connected they're all leading up to this particular um kind of cataclysmist uh cat i can't speak cataclysmist nope i'm gonna skip <laughs> it one more time <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give up it's too late over here it's 1 a.m i'm running on fumes um but no it's all leading up to this this one offense basically that potentially changed the the world of fallad far forever and it's been led up by this particular being or this entity um and a lot of the old faces from the, the previous book, so Fintin and 
Um, others come back, so a lot of the fan favourites are back in this particular book, all joining forces to face off against this new threat, um, which they were, they were completely unaware of. I love it. I love it. Yeah, with every book and every series, you have to kind of up the ante a little bit more and figure out the, the next way to get the group that you've created invested into it. And it gets more difficult the more books you have in a series. It does. It oh, does. Yes. <laughs> So now being that this is the fourth book in your series, um, if there are plans for other books, are you going to um, add them as an individual series or a shoot, uh, an offshoot series? Probably be as an offshoot. So I have kind of been dabbling with um, an idea for a fifth one, which within the, the other books, the, the, the blank monks are kind of the religious sect and they've, they gained power within Oakenfall, but that um, there's some upheaval to that in the fourth book and things, potentially have to change there so that allows a, a route to look into to what happens to them and what um, comes next so I've been also thinking um, again watching preferences of prison uh, programs during lockdown I've been kind of obsessed with watching kind of 60 days inside and things like that so I quite like the idea of doing a book around kind of medieval or, or Victorian-esque prisons, but in the fantasy setting and, and investigating what that could look like within open form within Falothar. And I think that's where it would go next, but it would be completely standalone and separate. The, the story of, of those four books has finished now, so that set has been completed. And this anything that comes next will be yeah, an offshoot or uh, completely new characters. That sounds awesome. I, I love it when you can take a book and you can do the series with it, but you can also expand the world. And, and Jane, mm -hmm. you are a master of that because I think mm -hmm. all of your series intertwine in some way. In so some that, way, yes. Yeah, so you that know, whether it's a character or a, set, yeah. or a setting. Mm -hmm. and, and I, that's just, I, yeah, the last series I wrote, um, the, the Death Chronicles 3, I brought everybody integrated together so that was fun from all my my past series so well and it works for your readers too because yeah. it, it creates a world where you know once they finish one series what happens to this character what happens to that character and through the and additional series you really get to focus on some of those characters mm -hmm. i think it's quite enjoyable as well seeing how the different characters can play off so you'd have they would never have met before and they've got quite different personalities. So it's seeing how those personalities clash or don't clash. Oh, or... Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. <laughs> and, and, and for the, go ahead. It's, it's really tough. You know, the, the current series I'm writing has nothing to do with any of my other worlds. So it's very hard to not bring in the magic or the, you know, some of the things from my, my main, theme series but you know new york's about the only thing that <laughs> that crosses <laughs> but uh yeah so it's it's really tough not to pull them in because i'm like oh i want to save the day <laughs> i need my magic well and plus they they're your they become like your family, family. <laughs> and, and you yeah. want to include them when you have an adventure that's near them you're like wait yeah. i can bring them in and you right. visit with an old friend. Yeah, the, the fairy tales, it was, it was, it had been years since I wrote something standalone outside of these characters in this world. So doing the, the fairy tale series that I did, and they're all standalones, um, was tough. 
after being with family so long. <laughs> Oh. Do you miss your characters if you've not written about them for a while? Because I find myself kind of wondering what they're getting up to or how they're getting on and, and almost wanting yeah. to check in. Or... Right. <laughs> and then you start to wonder, you know, did I write them into reality? <laughs> Maybe in another universe you did. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the worry about them and all of that, <laughs> like a proud parent or, <laughs> or whatnot. So, yeah. So when you do spin-offs, it's it's as you say, it's an extension of that. Yeah, and, and I'm one of those readers that when I do pick up a series, the more books it has, the better for me because I know mm -hmm. I can really take my time and enjoy reading, mm -hmm. you know, for a very long time and getting to know the characters and and you know, really exploring the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of detrimental to standalone books because then I'm like, that's eh, two, 300 pages and I'm done. Well, no, <laughs> I need more. <laughs> yeah. I have a neighbor up at the beach that's, that, that sent me something. When's the next one out? And I had written a short story about the zombie world and I hadn't planned on writing that right away. And I'm like, uh, sometime 2022, maybe 2023. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a prequel. <laughs> Right, it's got to fit in the schedule. Sorry, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have to, I have to come up with something original for the theme of the arc of the the series. You know, we've we've all been saturated with the Walking Dead and all the spinoffs of the Walking Dead. So now I have to come up with something new and <laughs> and different, and just not you know zombies eating grains. <laughs> so. <clears throat> that's the the rub here it's like okay i had an idea and i'm like oh i don't know if it's been done too much so have to yeah. let it bake for a little bit like well a, just remember like every good story it is like a fine wine <laughs> well, and you gotta remember every story has already been written it's your right. unique twist that gives it life right exactly <laughs> It's just I have to think of a twist. There you go. There you I, go. You know. You'll come up with something. I know you will because you are such a pro such a prolific writer. <laughs> you make me look like a snail when it comes to writing. <laughs> One day she tells me I've got an idea. The next day she's like, "Yeah, I'm twenty thousand words in." It's like, yep. What? <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Damien? How's your uh, writing schedule working right now? Are you working on anything off the side or? Not really. So I've, I've made a, a very small start into this fifth book. And I'm probably only about five, 6,000 words into it. I'm because of the day job and things like that. I'm quite a, a slow writer. And because I go on the journey with them, it's I have to wait for them to actually do something for me to write. And if they're not doing it, then I can't write it, um, which is a little bit difficult. But no. For now, it's just I'm working on getting the audiobooks done for the first four and then hopefully release this new standalone one maybe sometime next year is the, the goal. Now, how are the audiobooks working for you? Are you going through uh, ACX? Are you um, doing a specific narrator? So, yeah, Alan uh, Turton is the narrator. So he narrated Dragon's Flight for me, the first one. Um, oh, and it kind of made me the sample. You did. And it made me fall back in love with it, hearing him bring the characters to life and things really... Yeah, from hearing that first one, I decided he was going to do all of them. So 
He's released, uh, Taylor's going to be released um, on the 2nd of August. So the second one's now an audio book. And as of this week, actually, I received the first 15-minute sample of him starting work on A Winter's Child. So we should hopefully have that out at the end of October. Oh. And then the goal is to get the fourth one out, hopefully just before Christmas. So we can have all four this year for, for people to get before the end of the year. Do you ever get that feeling when you're listening to the narrator, uh, you know, doing their part and, and giving, you know, giving voice to your words? We're like, oh, my God, I wrote that. Holy <laughs> crap. Yes, I, I have yeah. moments like that, too. <laughs> it's such a surreal feeling. And it's it, it, at one point you're amazed at the other point, you're, you're kind of humbled in a way, too, because like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is at least for me, when I, I see other authors, I put them on such a high pedestal, you know, my favorite authors, the ones who I will buy their book instantly, you know, without having to look at a synopsis or, or plot line. Mm -hmm. And then to think that you could be there, your book could be that for somebody else. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And it, I think that's one of the, the best things I love about writing is to receive those reviews or fan comments and things like that. It's knowing someone's enjoyed what you've done. It's yeah, there's not a better feeling. It For me personally, I don't care how many the sales figures and sales numbers that's obviously important and good but it's having that review and that comment is that trumps that every time oh yeah i i totally agree there now speaking of that because you know being an indie author we've got to do all the legwork we've got to get the book out there we've got to you know get as many reviews as possible and we've mm -hmm. got to set up all the marketing campaigns so how did your launch for this new book take place what what did you set up and and how has it how has it been going? See, I can't talk either. <laughs> yeah, so I, I um, to be honest, not done too much yet. It's a bit of a soft launch at the moment because I've got another Comic-Con event coming up on the 2nd of October. Mm -hmm. So it's um, Exeter Devon Comic-Con. So it should have about 8,000 people going to that. And that's going to be kind of my launch event. So um, that'll be the big event with new banners and with selling and signing books there and things like that. So that will be the actual Although it's published already, that will be the official launch and hopefully will be the major kickoff. So for now, it's just a few Amazon ads and Facebook ads and things like that just to, to try and drive a little bit of interest in it. Um, while I still focus and stay on the audio book and things like that. So it's a little bit slow, but it, it's I'm happy with it for now. Okay. And, and as far as going out and trying to get reviews, do you have blogs that you target or certain people that you uh, send out books to? So I've got a few people that I send out to, to kind of ask reviews and things like that to, to review it and comments. Um, other than that, it's kind of newsletters and things like that. I am struggling a little bit with reviews and it's, I think that's why I value them so much. I'm doing quite well on sales, but trying to get people to come back once they've read it and leave a review is always the biggest challenge. And it can Absolutely. be frustrating sometimes when you, because especially on Amazon, there's some reviews that people will just, buy and there's websites that you can go to to get fake reviews and there's mm -hmm. some authors that I'm aware of who aren't selling particularly many copies but are getting more reviews and things so it's always a little bit um, frustrating that uh, mm. they're kind of hedging their bets a little bit and not playing the game properly. How about uh, sites like Goodreads do you use them at all? I do I use Goodreads I'm on Goodreads and BookBub and, and other things like that so, um, to reach out to people. Okay. And I know last time we talked to you, uh, you had mentioned Courtney Cannon 
yes. as uh, one of the marketing resources. And we love her. She's she's always got excellent tips and tricks and her campaigns are always very reasonably priced and do well being a reasonably mm -hmm. priced uh, advertising campaign. So was she part of your, your launch strategy as well? She was, yes. Yeah, I um, arranged for a two-week window with Courtney where she helped um, on that soft launch and reaching out in newsletters and things to, to drive those initial pre-orders to um, make that initial launch a success. So, yeah, I always rate Courtney. And any time an indie author contacts me to say kind of how do they start up or who do they need to speak to or what do they need to do, Courtney's always one of the first people that I point them towards because um, for me personally, even in the last few years, back to kind of 2019, my goal was if I got one book sold a week, I was happy back then at one a day. That's what I was aiming for. And that was incredible. And then last year, it kind of one or two a day rather than one or two a week. And with Courtney's help, that's now if I kind of do less than three a day, that's a, a terrible day. And <laughs> it's that um, the support that she gives you to help you get to there. So, yeah, she's definitely someone to work with to, to be successful Ooh. with. She is. And, and she's on my list as well when it comes to uh, uh, clients that ask me for the marketing side of it, you know, what to do if they have a book that's in her genre that she supports. She's the first mm -hmm. person that I, I send people to because she does know that side of it. And you, you do need somebody who knows the genre, knows the market to help guide you to find the, the right solution, because you can go you can go broke very quickly on the marketing side without making sales if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And what genres does Courtney usually support? Most of the popular ones right now, urban fantasy, paranormal romance, high fantasy, mm -hmm. sci-fi, speculative fiction, steampunk. She really hits a lot of the popular genres. Okay. Hmm. And she does a lot of book builder events, newsletter builders, things like that. And and they're usually reasonably priced. I think everything's within like five to twenty-five dollars. Oh, so okay. it, it's affordable for indie authors, which is important because again, as the indie, you do everything. That includes paying for covers, it includes mm -hmm. paying for editing and paying for formatting if you can't do it yourself. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that the indie author has to pay for, and at the end of it, if they haven't budgeted for that marketing. You know, what do you do? Right. <laughs> exactly. That's one of the most painful things when you're watching the author forums and you see a new author coming up and, and releasing their first book. And there's normally comments I'm like, I haven't got any money for advertising, but what do I do? And it's like, you're going to, you need that budget for advertising. That's what will get your book in front of people. But it right. doesn't matter how good your work is. If people don't see it, they're never going to read it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then Absolutely. you have those very same people who go, okay, well, I'll just, I'll do Amazon ads. And then mm. they don't structure an ad correctly and they right. blow their money. They blow their mm. yearly budget in a week because they, didn't because they don't know how correctly. to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it creates a, a downward spiral for them. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah, I've gotten my ads to, to, to work a little bit for me and I'm only paying like seven to $10 a month for, across all my books. Oh, that's awesome. Because I did, I think, 10 cents uh, per ad, and I'm getting impressions, which is like, hmm, okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, with keywords and stuff. So thank you, Brian. Yeah, Brian Cohen, definitely <laughs> yeah. worth following. That's, he's another yeah. that I always recommend for people yeah. when they're learning ads because he offers, I think it's three times a year. Yes, free, he does free, free. ad, seven-day um, ad thing, and oh, yeah, yep. And his seven-day ad course is a, a real course. He shows you step-by-step yes. step 
the methods that he uses to to create the ads, create different the ways ads, to create them. them and yeah. track them and, you know, what things to ignore <laughs> and what things like the Amazon ad dashboard is like useless in some cases. <laughs> um, you know, it shows you impressions and clicks, but everything else is suspect. So, so it shows you how to really show your uh, return on investment. So it's a, it's a good course. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's necessary because again, yeah. we spend so much money producing the book. Getting There's not always a lot left over. I mean, the higher you bid, the more visibility you get, but also the more, you know, eats into your pocket and your, your, Profit. Well, and not every click is going to equal a right. sale. So if you're spending a exactly. dollar per click right. and you're not getting any back, you're already mm -hmm. in the hole. And if you're right. spending more per click than you would get for your royalties, right. you're again in the hole. Right. There's, there's exactly. so many factors to consider. Exactly. So, you know, the steady, low, low bids, getting your impressions out there, you know, I think it's, I think the, the standard is if you see something like 10 times, then you'll react to it. <laughs> so it's usually not the first time, but, you know, seeing it over and like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Let's check it, check it out <laughs> just mm -hmm. on the mentality of the advertising. So <laughs> just another thing we have to learn. <laughs> yeah. There's so many hats. <laughs> Uh, I do find it amusing sometimes. I don't know if you've had it where you'll be watching a video on, on Facebook or something and one of your adverts will come up in the middle of the videos and things like that because you're within the target market. I've had that a couple of times where I, I write fantasy. Obviously, I'm a big fan of fantasy, so mm -hmm. I'm within my demographic of, of readers. Yeah. So occasionally, I've been watching videos for different things and my adverts come up, which is always it's interesting and nice, but at the same time, it's like I've just paid for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Well, only, only if you click it. True. Right? If, if you just see it, yeah. <laughs> you know it's working. I, I like yes. that. Yes. I like that. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen my ads, probably because I don't have my other books as, as keywords. So. <laughs> and I usually have point. ad blockers on, so I, I rarely see yeah. ads. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I run ad blockers. I've got my, my um, VPN running. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you've got to you've got to keep you know. so let's talk about the the cons, different the yeah different subject cons. let's talk back about books again <laughs> yes yeah yeah let's get away from advertising <laughs> let's talk about you know going to con you know comic-con or the other places that both of you have gone this year you, you've both gotten out and, and joined in the book <laughs> join the real world Mark, again yeah book marketing world let's talk it's a marketing <laughs> so tell me about it how did it go yeah so for me it, brighton was um kind of a, a big first in many ways so it's my first comic-con event i've ever gone to and also it's the first thing i've really done since going into lockdown and covid so mm -hmm. it was yeah there's a lot of apprehension going into it and kind of a lot of unknowns to to prepare myself for um but it was in brighton which was um it's quite a big town in the uk on the, the seaside town basically um i think it did quite well because it was one of the first big events as well after lockdown so there was a lot of people mm. that were desperate to get out so yeah just like enjoying life and doing things again so yeah myself and my girlfriend went down there and um 
the night before we stayed in the hotel to make sure we were there nice and early and, and set the stall up and things. But the COVID controls we had in place were really good because it made sure that everyone was safe. So we had the tables between us to keep the two metre distance. Um, we had alcohol wipes on the table and alcohol gel for people to use it. So anytime someone used a card reader, we wiped it down and kept it clean. We wiped the books down when people picked them up to read them um, to just prevent it. And obviously we did a, a peak flow test before and after to make sure we'd kept safe. But the event was really busy. There was probably a, a good few thousand people came through. And nice. um, for me, it was a good experience to meet different fans and actually talk about the book face to face and to find out kind of the questions that the the fans were asking and having a chat with them and getting to sign some and sell some copies of the books. It was really exciting. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So I've already signed up, as I say, for October with the same company. So they're doing another one down in Exeter. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going and joining them on the 2nd of October down for the Devon Comic-Con as well. So it was, uh, yeah, it's good. So now being your, your first Comic-Con ever, right? It was first ever. Did it meet your expectations? It did. It was, I was a little bit, well, I went in incredibly apprehensive and nervous and, and panicky and, um, and I walked up to the building, not really sure what to do. I had a bag full of stock and my banners and flyers and giveaway things and walked up to the security guard. I was like, I'm here to, to set up my store. What do I do? <laughs> um, so we got the table ready and things. And then there's other, um, people milling around and just sat talking to a guy on the next table next to me as he was setting up and, he was actually the Red Power Ranger, who okay, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah it was kind of quite surreal talking, not really knowing who he was. He's saying it was my first time. I'm a bit nervous. Any tips? What I need to do? And he's giving me some information. And then someone goes like, "You know who that is, don't you?" And I'm like, "Not a clue." <laughs> I've got that's the Red Power Ranger. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a bit surreal to be sitting next to because no, I you, you don't I see the Power Rangers faces. They're all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I'm I write because I enjoy writing and I enjoy people reading my work. So be sat kind of next to celebrities because I was in the corner where they had different celebrities doing sign uh, signings and things like that. It was so surreal and strange. And um, I was saying, Katie, just we we kicked off. I was so nervous before the the event started that when the kind of the organizer walking around said so we open the door to the public, I'd had a coffee. And our tables laid out immaculate. We had all the books displayed to show people, the card reader laid out, bookmarks and everything. Oh no, sound went out. <laughs> Uh-oh, your sound went out, Damien. Oh, can you hear me now? Am I back? Yes, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what happened? We're like, <laughs> they came in and then you're talking. building the tension intentionally. Um, so yeah, as I said, they opened the doors and I served my coffee and my hands were shaking because I was so nervous. I caught the table and I threw my coffee completely all over the edge of the table. So we had, as the guests were pulling in the front door, pull the books off the side, trying to wipe them down, get fresh ones back up. And it was just, yeah, it was not what you need when you're already like full of nerves and anxiety. And yeah, but we got that sorted, got the books out, calmed down. And yeah, people started mulling around and, and just looking at different stalls and um and then, yeah, started having a chat with some of the people that came over and it took probably a good hour, hour and a half of the anxiety to ease off. And it was a mix of the anxiety from never doing an event like this before, not really knowing what's expected of me or what I should be doing. And then it being the first thing since COVID as well. And I've got used to dealing with people through screens and things like that, but actually having to, to speak mm. to someone who stood there in front of me was quite strange. Right. 
did 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 you see anybody dressed up in cosplay? Yeah, there was lots of people in cosplay. They had um, kind of cosplay competitions, and we were quite fortunate as well. So to the left of us, they had like, a big green screen. Um, and the photographers, so all of the cosplay people were going to this green screen to have their photos taken and being um, kind of the background superimposed and things. So we got to see pretty much all of the cosplayers come through, which, oh, was, cool. which was quite cool. That's so much fun. That it is. Was. That's one of my favorite things to do when I'm I'm at a convention and maybe it's slow at our table, is to go out and, and find people in cool costumes and grab pictures. Mm-hmm. And I usually end up for like the entire weekend. My Instagram feed is all of the f- best costumes that I have found each day. <laughs> well, yep, that's true. <laughs> it's so fun, and be, be, people put so much effort into their costumes. They really do. Some of them, it's oh, incredible. Yes. It's a it's an art skill in itself. Actually, some of them, how much they they can do. Yeah. And they come there, they want to show off, you know, what they've done. So it's, you know, appreciating it. You know, I always ask, can I post your picture? I don't post any pictures if, if they tell me no. But mm-hmm. it's it's a way of appreciating all that hard effort that they put into making the costume and how accurate it is to, you know, whether it's the book or the film or the, the video game that they're doing it from. Right. And I've seen some really, really creative ones and some gender bend ones and some... Um, interpretations of costumes it's 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 interesting to see how people can throw stuff together and how creative their mind works when they do it yes some people went the extra mile because we were there for two days we did a, a saturday and sunday event and some people came on the saturday in one costume which they must have spent months making and repairing and then they came back on the sunday in something completely different and it's just like how much yeah commitment to, to do that is incredible right there was a uh, one in Tucson that I went to and uh, he was, he did pun costumes. So he would take like two costumes and put them together. And every day of the convention, he would have a different punny costume. And <laughs> I think at one point he was an elfish impersonator. So he had Elrond and Elvis combined. It was beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, then there was lumberjack sparrow. Okay. It was so creative. I loved it. And every day there was a different costume. Yeah. I I mean, I've only been as a guest to Comic-Con, a couple of them in Rhode Island that I went to. So it's, you know, (laughs) I would like to get a table. (laughs) It's it's fun to do, especially if you can do it like in a group setting, because just manning your own table by yourself. Yes. There's people to either side of you that you can talk to, but you really can't leave because mm-hmm. with watching your table. But mm-hmm. when you go as a, a group, then you know people can kind of take shifts. They can go out and explore and, and somebody's back there at the table keeping everything you know, where it's supposed to be. So it, yep. it's nice mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that with a group. Mm-hmm. Really I was very fortunate that my girlfriend came with me. So yeah, when I was talking to people and signing the books, I'd then kind of pass them to her and she would bag them up and put the freebies and things in and give them to the people so we could keep it moving and um, mm-hmm. take that pressure off. So as you say, you're there for eight to ten hours you need to pop to the loo or something you need someone to to keep an eye on what's going on i can't imagine doing it on my own well especially if you do panels too because as you do more comic cons sometimes you get those opportunities to sit in on a panel and to speak about a subject who's at your table for that hour to hour and a half that you're off somewhere else yeah that that's why if we ever did it i'd make my son come with me He's he's also one of my co-writers, so yep, I'm yep. like he'd be you perfect need for to it. Do this. <laughs> this is your penance. Oh no, not that. 
<laughs> I used to do that with my oldest too. I would, I would bring her down with me as my assistant mm-hmm. and uh, she would man the table when I needed her to. And I had her very well trained at an early age to hand out bookmarks to every single person who would mm-hmm. come by. And, and I remember one time, it was uh, it was a Las Vegas Comic Con. So it was a smaller one, mm-hmm. and she was doing it. She was handing out bookmarks to everybody that came by. And Michael Rooker had come by, and he was stopping at a couple of different tables and looking at things. And yeah. she just, you know, completely oblivious. She's like, "Here, take one." And he stops. He's like, "Oh, thank you." Grabs my phone. He's like, "Let's take some selfies." And took some selfies. Grabbed her phone. Did the same, and then walked off. And I looked at her. I was like, "You know who that was, right?" Like, no, I was like. Guardians of the Galaxy, the blue guy, Yondu, and she's like, oh, all you had to do is say the walking dead. Come on. She was too young then. She was too young then. <laughs> but it was so adorable. She's just completely oblivious, but she was so well trained. Yep. <laughs> oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was very cool, actually. Yep. <laughs> we ended up, uh, I, I told her, I sent her over with a couple of books because I wanted to say thank you when I realized that they charge like $65 for those mm. those pictures, especially yeah. selfies. I was like, oh my God, take this over, say thank you so much. And she did. Yep. She ran off. She went over there. She came back with two signed pictures. And I went, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> She's like, you know, he said thank you back and gave me these. I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like that he was just so amazing <laughs> it, it, it made for a great experience too you know we've got those memories now and, and oh, yeah. it, it really like I, I don't think I've had a bad comic-con experience even on comic-cons where they weren't necessarily lucrative they've always been fun they've always had you know really really good moments that you remember yeah being being behind a, a, a table would probably be much better we ended up getting a little bit claustrophobic waiting for the uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan photos. Mm-hmm. And my son wanted to bail out of it. And I'm like, okay, we'll go, we'll go wait and see him in that, you know, th- in the other thing, because it was just so crowded. And I would have been okay waiting, sort of, you know, being short, everybody was taller than me and they were packed. Yeah. And, but he was just like, no, no, I, I got to get out of here. So we, we went and, we waited for the Walking Dead panel. So, and he was late to that because he stayed longer to take pictures. Mm. <laughs> but that's all right. You know, I was like, all right. You know, he was just like, no, no, I, I, I can't stay in this claustrophobic. So being behind the table, it's probably a little less intimidating by the massive crowds just moving as, you know, masses of smoke going down yep. through, through the aisle so that's, that's true like between you and yeah i'm not a big fan of crowds in general so it's nice mm-hmm. to have that buffer to right and with the the covid you know keep mm. distance and stuff was that kind of were people naturally keeping their distance or did you notice that it was still you know convention you know everybody's crowded most people, in most people were quite good and leaving a lot of space there were I think as always, there's the odd person that uh, just kind of flaunted and, and didn't really care about the personal space and that side of thing. But most people were leaving their distance, and for at least for yeah. the stellars and, and people doing the things, it's fine. You had to say the tables between them, and um, 
the majority of visitors had masks and things on so mm. a lot of people were, were taking precautions and keeping safe so um okay, yeah okay. It, i had no worries i'm asthmatic so for me covid is quite a big deal and i try and to afford it wherever i can so mm. i didn't have any concerns so i think yeah it was well organized and we all kept safe so that's the important thing that's good we did a, a very small, small scale convention um, at the, I want to say beginning of August. Yes. Yeah. Combat Con does, uh, they, they come to Vegas every year. And last year, of course, they couldn't. And they did a virtual convention. And this year was their, their attempt at coming back. And while very small compared to the previous year, it was nice to be able to get back into it and to see people and, and be able to, to be at a public event. And they were very specific about, you know, the COVID regulations. You couldn't even get into the convention space if you didn't have your card, you got a special stamp. I mean, they, they tried to make it as safe as possible. There was the mm -hmm. definitely spacing had been extended between tables. Um, and Combat Con also serves as a, a HEMA tournament. So there's a lot of you know fighting going on. There's only so much space to work with. So in those areas, it did feel a little more crowded. But even then, they had the widest open space available to use for those circumstances. So it, you, it was nice. It was nice to, to see. Sword play? What's that? Did you get to do sword play? I did not this year. I did uh, do a self-defense class, which was, okay. it was so much fun. Oh my God. That was <laughs> the most fun class I think I've ever taken. It was like three hours long too. Yeah. And uh, it was, <laughs> it was the most ridiculous self-defense because it was kind of real world self-defense mm -hmm. where if you're going to be grabbed by somebody, it's not going to be a little polite touch on the shoulder. And we mm -hmm. were going like actual grabs and stuff and just mm -hmm. cracking up the whole time because we have to get consent every time. So every time we did anything, it was, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I grab you? Can I grab you? It became a joke throughout the yeah. class. <laughs> and we're just cracking up the whole time. And uh, I did self-defense and I did knife throwing this year. Okay. Not axe throwing. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, just the knife that's throwing. <laughs> okay. And you have I, done I, axe throwing. I have done axe yes. throwing. It's yes. fun. There's an axe yeah. throwing place down the road from me yeah. that I like to go to to burn off steam. Yeah. Um, but the knife throwing is a little more precise. Yes. I wanted to really learn that technique. So I did that in between teaching. I think I, te I taught three classes this year and then, uh, was a part of another panel. So it was pretty busy, <laughs> but it was much smaller scale and it was just nice to be able to get out. I think that was, that was what I took away from, it. I didn't care yeah, about book just, sales or anything. It was like, I can see people again. <laughs> I can socialize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not in my apartment <laughs> or my house. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more. I just, mm. I still have the worry in the back of my mind that we're not ready yet, but it's the, the more we hear about people being able to do them and do them safely, I think mm -hmm. the better. And, and Damien, you said you're doing two more this year. Uh, one more at the moment for definite and then potentially more as we get to the run up to Christmas. But yeah, same organisers who did the one in Brighton. So um, the precautions they took were, were really good. So even where, as you said, there's some bits where people did gather, but even they, they were spaced out and there was enough room for people to, to keep their distance and things. So it was, yeah, it felt safe and I'm more than happy to go back and do it again with them. So it's definitely worth doing. Now, was it? lucrative you don't have to give us number values but did you feel like it was worth the cost of going 
it did it covered my cost of going i had a target in my mind which everyone told me kind of don't aim too high or don't have a, a, a target in mind because you might not get it and you might feel down but i had a a target that i wanted and we managed just before we were going to pack up and leave to hit that target so yeah i was incredibly happy with what we've done and um it was good and we were quite fortunate that one of the artists who's done some work and character design for me was actually at the comic-con in a different room and things so it's quite nice to have someone else there that we knew and um it just made it a little, little bit easier oh that's perfect yeah and it, it is a good event for networking too so you get to sort of see other people who are part of the industry that you work mm -hmm. in, you know, artists, other authors, sometimes other publishers, celebrities, sometimes there, there's lots of opportunities to really get involved with the industry. There is. So the one I'm going to in October, there's a couple of authors that I speak to um, via the, the author channels and things I've never met in person, but we're going to get to, to see each other for the first time in October. So that'd be quite nice to, to actually see each other and just yeah put a, a face to the name and the email address and whatever else so it'll be good to see that's awesome that is any uh tips or tricks for new authors considering going to conventions on on what to do now that you're you've done your first so i'd say the the first thing i didn't have enough copies of the first book so i had kind of sets of books so i had um i think it was 50 or 60 sets but of all of the books uh, but what a lot of people do, well, they, if they haven't heard of you before, they kind of came around and talked to you, talked about the book, and then they'd walk off. And some of them came back around, like, well, we've Googled your reviews on Amazon or whatever, and actually I'm quite interested. But they only wanted the first one just to see how they get on with it, and then they'd look to, to buy the rest online. So I'd suggest having more of your first one than the later ones, because that seems to be the one that they actually go for. Um, and I was getting a little bit worried towards the end that I was going to run out of stock of the first one and had all of these extra ones to bring home which i'm now taking to the next comic-con but i've now ordered a lot more first for the second one to ensure i don't run out did you do any bundle pricing i did yeah it's so yeah um i can't remember the exact price now but i think it's a nine pound for for each or you got all uh free for 15 something mm -hmm. along those lines yeah. yeah yeah that usually is is one of the best ways to to try and entice people and you keep it in, in simple increments of, uh, you know, like single dollar amounts. So, you know, somebody has got a 20 on them. 20 is like the target you want for your price so that they get the value, but it's also easy for them to not have to run off and go find a cash machine if they don't have a card or whatever. Right. That's one thing. I don't know if it's, it's the same in the U S but we have, um, uh, imagine we've got him, Zoom card readers that are free to use. And they just take a small percentage of what you take. Mm -hmm. So I had one of those because a lot of people didn't have cash on them. So if you've got that facility to take a card, that's a big difference between getting that sale and not getting it. So it's definitely worth getting a card reader if you can. Very true. As long as the internet isn't restricted. <laughs> because I've run into that problem too, where uh, I think it's Phoenix we go to. The, the vendor hall is downstairs, kind of like basement level. And the Wi-Fi is really spotty there. And I, I tend to have trouble sometimes getting those card readers to go through. So I, I always pray to the God of Wi-Fi before I do a sale, hoping it will actually go through. I must be, I didn't use the Wi-Fi for pace. I had my phone as a hotspot and using the mobile signal to, to do that it that way rather than rely on the Wi-Fi. Yeah, well now you've got Cash App and what it, Venmo and, and their instant apps most people have on their phone now too. Mm. That becomes yet another way that you can go, okay, well, here's here's my information. Mm -hmm. So they're making it a lot easier for mobile vending. Right. 
All right. Well, let's see. We talked about conventions. We talked about new releases. Let's see what else we can talk about. Oh, the audiobooks again. So when is your, your schedule of audiobooks coming out? Because you've got four books right now. So I'm assuming book one's already out. Book two is in the works. Book two is already out as well, actually. So okay. we've got Dragon's Bites out. Taylor's Son came out at the end of August. Um, a Winter's Child is being recorded at the moment. So the goal is to have that by the end of October. Um, and then the last one will be the end of December. So, yeah. For me, just listening back to him is incredible. As I say, Alan's doing a, a really good job bringing them to life. And um, I think I said this in the last uh, chat that we had back in, in before your summer break. It's quite strange to, to hear how Alan brings them to life and the way he adds texture to them. And it's just, yeah, it, it adds an extra level to the stories. It's just incredible, really. Yeah. Now, for viewers who are catching this either live or later, if you want to mm -hmm. hear that sample, we have it on uh, Damien's previous uh, visit with our show. So if you look yes. through our playlist, the last one we had for our season five, that's where you're going to find that sample. And it was very good. It was it, excellent. It was really good to listen to. Your narrator has an excellent voice, good cadence. He gives mm -hmm. a lot of energy to it. And that's what you need with an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Now, enjoy, are I love you doing... back to them. What's that? I, I personally enjoy listening back to them as well. And it's obviously a, it's a story that I know kind of inside out. And at least in tech, it had lost a bit of its magic for me personally from, from reading it a million times where you're editing and going through proofreading and things. But hearing it read back, as you say, he's done an incredible job on it. Yes. yes absolutely. And that makes all the difference. The, oh, the yeah. narrator can make a, make mm. or break the audiobook. It's It's very important mm. to have the right voice. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I finally got my rights to the Steve Williams books back. Oh, good. And I, had, and I had had separate audio producers for them, for all six of them. Now I have one mm -hmm. that's oh, going nice. through it. And, I, and he's, he's doing Crystal Illusions now. So the first four books are out. <laughs> so I just have Crystal Illusions and Saving Face left. Man, now, you've been pretty busy, too, haven't you? Me? Yes. <laughs> Well, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes, uh, I've been writing writing like a fiend on my dragon books. So you know, th there they are. Dragon yep. Tempest came out in June. Dragon Storm is out on Tuesday, and Dragon Dawn is coming out in December. So I'm about forty percent through of Dragon Dawn. So I'm I'm excited about that one. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask though, because we were talking about the, the audiobooks. Mm -hmm. ACX is still probably the number one source that people go to, but they're still kind of dealing with the uh, <laughs> we're still dealing with the, the audible gate issues with them. Mm -hmm. And though it's been quiet on that front, we just did the news with uh, Joe last week on this mm -hmm. things have been very quiet over the summer as far as the legal battle that they're going through but they're still getting everything together to to make this fight to get uh amazon who owns acx to start full transparency to start paying mm -hmm. actually the numbers they tell us they're paying us yeah and uh nothing really has moved forward yet so has mm -hmm. that has that made you consider other options or do you still just I'm going to go with ACX just because it's it's kind of the easiest source to reach. 
for me personally, ACX is the company that the um, narrator uses. So because I want to keep using him, I'm going to keep using them. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's where my narrator is. So as you say, there are there's challenges with it, but I think the the benefits outweigh those challenges and. It's easy in, in the sense of getting it set up and working with him and being able to get the things created. So my main goal is getting out to the to the readers or listeners. So right. um, APX is great for doing that. It's yeah, it's a little unclear what you're going to get paid and when and how and, and that type of thing is, as you say, isn't necessarily crystal clear. But getting to the readers is, is the most important part for me personally. Yeah, it goes back to the marketing thing. If you've got mm -hmm. a book and no one knows it's there. Yeah. What do you do? So it's uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. Jane, how about you? Um, well, at this point, I just have the, the this set of books out. I haven't contracted anybody else going forward at this point. I'm just waiting and seeing, you know, because I have an awful lot of skin in the game on, on ACX as well. Um, so <laughs> just wait and see. It puts us all in kind of just a weird space because, yep. you know, on the one hand, we do want to reach as many readers as possible. Mm -hmm. And those readers are now listeners. So how do we do it without cutting our nose off? How do we do right. that without, you know, spending more money? Because mm -hmm. if your narrator doesn't work through a different channel or if, you know, you need a royalty share and they want you to they pay up front, yep. there's so many so many roadblocks and it makes yeah. the decision of what to do difficult. And right. for me and personally, I have just held off on creating any new books until mm -hmm. the Audible Gate issue is solved because I'm hoping at mm -hmm. the end of the day that Amazon will do the right thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I plus some of the narrators that I loved and I used for you know a lot for a lot of my books have have gone off royalty share. Mm -hmm. so it's like okay mm. <laughs> you know that's where, where that's where it's like okay do I need to I need to find somebody else but not for a mid-series and it's just like okay <laughs> that's okay we, yeah. we you know nothing has to be decided you know definitively one way or another everybody's going to take their their own path and exactly. everybody has their own reasons for why they take their path. And mm -hmm. you know, like Damien, you're planning on getting everything out, it sounds like, by Christmas. So mm -hmm. you've got a schedule to maintain. You've got a good narrator that you've got to fit within his window. So that right. means you keep moving forward. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's some of the feedback I've had from from listeners, I guess, and, and or readers, whatever you want to call them, is they don't like it when the narrator changes. They like, if they're following a series, they want that same narrator for the whole series. So it's important mm -hmm. for, for me to to stay with that and, and give the readers what they want and make sure they I can give them the best product and the best book that I can actually get out to them or the best audio book. So, it, yeah, for me, I, I want to keep working with Alan and just get that done. Right. Sounds like yeah. a good plan. It's like yeah, the, I, question, the question on the last two Fractured Fairy Tales is, am I going to even do audio books because of that reason? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so... Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm halting for now because it, mm -hmm. it. I don't think it'll be a detriment at this point to not spend any money going forward to create something if I'm still unsure about the payout. So, right, you know, my cost benefit analysis was holding is better than trying to push forward at this point. Mm -hmm. 
Agreed. Um, I did have one question though, because you've got high fantasy books and people who love high fantasy books tend to collect books and Amazon finally rolled out hardcovers. Now I think they're still in beta, so not every market has them, but would you be putting them in hardcover if it's available to you through Amazon? I've literally, it's popped up in the last few days, the notification that's something they're offering and I'm considering it, but again, there's additional cost of marketing and creating it and formatting it and the paperbacks and Kindles and things are selling well enough, but I don't know if it's worth that extra expense to create that for at the moment. If the fans start saying it's something they want and the feedback is like, have you got this in hardback, then obviously it's something that we can look to do, but I would probably wait to, to hear what the market actually wants on that first. Mm. I did too. I did, did two too. hardcover books for for um, the Nighthawk trilogy. So I did all of the books in the Nighthawk trilogy, not just one, two, and three. So the the prequel and the you know short story is all in there. So it's all packaged together. And I did the fa fractured fairy tale, but I did instead of one to six, I did one to seven. So <gasps> you get the hardcover, you get all seven books. I need that. <laughs> I need that. Okay, I'm I'm a collector. I'm okay. a collector. I love hardbound books. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, I need that in my life. I and I, 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 I did. Stories. I did hardcover for my asset series for books mm -hmm. one through three. I still need to um, get the um, the cover artist to give me the hardcover for um, for okay. four. Yeah. and five which if i ever finish it yeah, you about will that. you will <laughs> um i just i'm a sucker for hardbound books as yep. a collector i love having hardbound books mm. i will go to thrift stores and i will go to bookshops and mm -hmm. look for books i already have in paperback to find them in hardcover because mm -hmm. i love hardcover books so i i was i was a sucker when i saw it I was like, yeah, I need to start doing that. But I also use Ingram. So I've been doing hardbound for my asset series through Ingram. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I just did it. I just did it with the, the Fracture Fairy Tale. And my my cover artist said, send me the thing when you do it. And if it's if it's not right, I will fix it. And it wasn't quite centered right on the back cover. She fixed it and it was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> See, that, that's something to know. The the yes. dimensions for the cover on a let's say five by eight book yeah. are completely different for a hardbound book of the same size because mm -hmm. there's a fold that you yes. don't see yeah the the thing in the yeah yeah <laughs> it know? adds extra dimension to it so they have mm -hmm. to they have to basically shrink it down and then add a border that matches if they're they're doing mm -hmm. it from an existing cover in order mm -hmm. to make it fit because that fold really shifts where everything is yes it does it does so but yeah <laughs> it was nice to get that i was like oh this is so pretty <laughs> so jane do you mind me asking how how the hardback compares for you to to the paperbacks and kindles have you found that is actually being successful um i've gotten a few orders not not so much it was more for that's why i did the the um trilogy packs or the you know the the longer books in hardcover because I wanted to give people a little bit more if they were going to spend more on the hardcover. Um, not a lot of sales. I think it's more for a vanity thing for me. <laughs> they they do 
they do create a unique presentation at uh, book events. Yeah. And I usually, I won't order like, I may order a set of like 50 books in paperback to have mm -hmm. for like my summer when I usually go out and do a lot of conventions. Mm -hmm. But for hardbounds, I'll buy like three. Mm -hmm. And I will have just enough copies to bring without taking too much weight so that there is an alternative option mm -hmm. that looks really cool. And sometimes that just draws the eye and gets people to look at it and they go, oh, but you have a paperback that's cheaper. And then mm -hmm. <laughs> it creates good presentation when you're in in-person events. And I'm a sucker. I like to have them just for myself. So, <laughs> And I had to do them a little larger than the paperback. So okay. instead of nine by six, I think it was the 10 by seven. Okay. Um, to, to be able to fit the trilogy and the seven books in without that would exceeding, make sense. Exceeding the page limit. <laughs> so, so yes. But I was like, I, I just want to try it. So, and some cover artists are not comfortable with it yet. Some of them are, you know, thank, thank God my, my cover artist who did Fractured Fairy Tales and the Nighthawk trilogy was like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> but I have some that say, uh, I'm not doing that yet. They, they, they haven't given us a consistent format or a consistent thing that we can really follow. So, yeah. And it is a different template altogether. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And the templates at that point were not public. Oh, so, you can't do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. At that time, they were not public for, for most people. But, you know, some of my cover artists had the inside track, I guess. <laughs> well, that's good because you, yes. you definitely need it. I've had so many clients that come to me and their cover artist or person they hired to do their cover mm -hmm. art just mm -hmm. sent them a front, a back, and a spine as individual mm -hmm. files. No. And they're like, okay, how do I upload this? And I go, uh, you need a wrap cover. You, mm -hmm. you need it all together in the correct dimensions, yeah. counting for the spine with. Go back to your cover artist and get them to do it right. Well, they don't know how to do it. Then you don't have a professional cover artist. Yeah. <laughs> like this is standard procedure. If you're going, yep. if your publisher is, or if your printer is Amazon, you go to Amazon and you get their template based on your page count and size. Yep. If you're going to Ingram. It's the same thing. Page count and size. That's what mm -hmm. determines the dimensions of the book. Yes. They should know this. Absolutely. <laughs> Big red flag otherwise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mm. it happens though but you know oh, yeah. education people especially the the newer authors they don't know it's not easy to find the information mm -hmm. so right. the, the learning curve is quite large when you first started it all the different things that you come across as as you're going on that journey oh yeah yeah and uh you know some people just kind of push through and and they do what they can and you know, stumble, skin their knee and get up and try again. <laughs> and mm -hmm. some people, it frustrates the hell out of them. That's yep. why there's a lot of author service companies out there that charge mm -hmm. ridiculous rates mm -hmm. for the things that they do. And authors fall prey to that as well. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I started to write an article on, on the cost of publishing and I, I, I found one out there and I'm like, I'm not going to reiterate it because that was out in May. I was just going to do a blog because I was like, you know, why am I blinking? You have a ghost over there, I swear. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not at my normal place. So so the Wi-Fi, I switched to the normal one that they told us to. 
the other one I hadn't had any issues, but I'm not entirely sure it was valid still. <laughs> So, yes, maybe there is a ghost here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, the, the Wi-Fi, we did this at work when we were on camera and trying to share things, it shut us down. <laughs> Both of us. So we had to not go on camera, you know, and, and share documents during our day job. But of course, that day, I think there were five of us working here. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna put a strain on the, the yes. internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you know, there's they they just have streaming TV. They don't have cable. So when the television is on, and yes, it's on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, the bandwidth goes, and that's when I blink out. All right. All right. <laughs> we are about at our hour. So if anybody's got any final thoughts they want to bring up, anything that we didn't get to touch on while we were talking. The Wi-Fi is censoring Jane. Yes, Anita. The Wi-Fi is, is the ghost in the Wi-Fi is censoring well, her. Maybe, maybe they have the kid, <laughs> the kid option. On. So yes, because we're babysitting the six-month-old and the three-year-old. So <laughs> had a long day. Um, outside of my release next week, I don't have much news. That's right. You do have your release yes. next week, Dragon yep. Storm. Yep. Yep. And Dragon Dawn will be out in December. Um, and then I'm off to write about vampire huntresses. <laughs> 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 All right. And, and Damien, when was your book out? Or when is it out? When is so Lucid is out already. So it's, yeah, all four are available now for people to, to get on Amazon and pretty much everywhere else. So they've gone quite wide now. It was originally just on Amazon, but it's now everywhere. So um, yeah, we'd love people to to go and have a read. Um, and if you do enjoy them, please do leave a review. Or if you don't want to leave a review, there's an email address on the oakfallchronicles.com and you can get in touch with me directly and just let me know what you thought of them. I always love to hear from the fans. So um, yeah, please do get in touch. And, right. and where can they see you next? So for seeing me next in person would be Exeter Devon Comic Con on the 2nd of October. Um, so that would be my next face-to-face -face event. At the moment, I don't have any other webcasts or anything lined up. So um, this is the only one I've been doing currently at the moment. But uh, yeah, who knows? So keep building. I will no doubt pop up somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> and what about you, Katie? What, what do you have on the docket outside of, you know, Not crazy that. editing? <laughs> I'm not. I got nothing. I have got to finish the damn book that I've been saying that I need to finish forever. Yep. yep. I, I'm not. I'm not doing a joint project with you until you finish that. Damn you, Jane. So there is my motivation. All right. All right. Hopefully, I'll finish it then before the end of the year. Because yep. I think we said starting 2022 is when we really wanted to get in on our. Exactly. Our next project. Our next project. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will be back next week with another guest that you may remember, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, until then, have a great week. Everybody enjoy a good read and take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.